war in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. You're listening to The John DePietro Show, folks. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, petro.com this portion of the program folks stop it and see them one of our new sponsors you also can uh, see the link on our website it's home again consignment located right in the governor francis shopping center fine furniture art antiques glassware jewelry uh you can buy sell sell in a consignment also estate sales are provided stop it and see john you can call him at 463-3310 home again consignment Governor Francis Shopping Center in Warwick. I want to um, touch on, folks, first of all, on this Thursday, I want to once again uh, just mention to people that there is still no definitive report regarding the husband and wife who were found uh, shot to death in their Cumberland home. So that is uh, Eric and Courtney. Uh, we're still waiting on Cumberland Police. We understand that they're still doing test results on this whole thing. But I am being told on this Thursday, July 7th, and until I hear differently, um, that that remains a story to watch. That that story may not be exactly what initially what a lot of people thought it was, which was, um, it was certainly understandable initially that people thought it was in fact... Um, I don't say it lightly, but it was <clears throat> like a murder-suicide. But what what the big question that remains is if there's going to be an arrest in this case and or if police are going to uh, finally, well, they have to at some point issue some kind of a report. So, but it's going on. It's It's been, I know it's only been two weeks, but a lot of times I've covered some of these cases in the past and that's all they really need before they then uh, just announce, here's what we believe happened. Now, I also want to point out, there's a significant shift right now with the um, the race for governor, where Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee, this has taken an interesting tack. By the way, the media is falling for this hook, line, and sinker. But think where he is. He is stuck. He's at 20%. There's a 30% undecided. So Governor McKee, I think they feel he needs to do something. But it's too early to start attacking one of his opponents, either Nellie Gobea, she's really the one, or then maybe Helena Folks, but not just yet. So what do they do? So the McKee campaign gives it an interview with the Providence Journal, and they start attacking the Republican challenger, Ashley Kalis. So out of nowhere now, he starts going after Kalis for, I was there, was that luncheon, that uh, they were all asked to name a politician that they admire, and Ashley Kalis said Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida. So in light of recent news, McKee campaign is asking what extent to his actions in Florida represent her plans for Rhode Island. So, and they say now, this is the McKee campaign, it's alarming. Ashley Kalis holds up the most extreme divisive governor in America as her model for leadership, said the McKee campaign manager. Brexton Isaacs. So this is according to the McKee campaign. DeSantis has championed extreme anti-LGBTQ policies, wants to ban abortions, undo progress on gun safety, uh, suggesting the Kalis administration for DeSantis signals her folks values and priorities out of touch with Rhode Island. Now, by the way, this business uh, champion extreme policies, not true, wants to ban abortions, uh, have nothing heard nothing about that in Florida, and I don't know about gun safety. Florida, uh, all states considered, up until recently, actually had pretty strong gun safety rules, even different than Rhode Island. So he sent links to national news headlines such as you know DeSantis vs. Florida. So the Kalis campaign wouldn't respond why she chose Governor DeSantis other than. He is the most popular governor, certainly amongst the Republicans right now in the country. Here's her response. Dan McKee should be worried about getting out of his primary. For the last two years, he has crushed small business, handed out $3,000 bonuses to state workers, 
and is now bailing out the developer of the Superman building to the tune of $121 million of taxpayer dollars, all while being under federal investigation. Uh, it's time for a change. Asked where Kayla stands on recent DeSantis actions, his spokesperson said, we won't be answering cop and paste opposition dump from other campaigns. That's our quote. I like that. Good quote. Um, and then the journal, Providence Journal, goes in. For the record, Kayla has declined to say if she would support DeSantis over President Trump. Well, I haven't heard any of the, the Democrats running being asked if they're going to support Biden. So, but what I want you to notice, that notice this is a change in strategy for Governor McKee. So Ashley Kalis, who's just off to there to the side, who doesn't ever a, prim a primary, excuse me, so she can kind of afford to be uh, not in full attack mode. The Republican challenger, most people don't even know who she is. That, that whole attack line is, they're looking to, McKee's got to go on the offensive. He's got to start attacking. He's now going to use panic. I'll tell you what this is. This is an element of the Democrat Party. They, they always want to be in panic mode. They want to panic you. Uh, we have to do something. Now, how do you do that in, in Rhode Island when the governor is Democrat, the House Speaker is Democrat, and the Democrat Party controls the Rhode Island State House? You create a fake narrative that the Republican challenger could be bringing DeSantis-type policies here to Rhode Island. And we have to, Dan McKee's going to fight and stop that, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's what that is. That's exactly what that is. Because the, the problem they face is, all right, he doesn't want to attack Nelly Gobea, maybe too early to go negative. And on top of that, what is he attacking her for? If anything, they share a lot of the same policies. This is, they're, they're basically trying to just um, invent someone. They're trying to invent someone who's like an opponent that he is going to go after. So that's how that comes down. Now, also, folks, in the news, last night, I, um, on Facebook, interviewed Brother Gary in a Black Lives Matter as, um, as Tucker Carlson is still talking over, talking uh, about the Tierra Mac twerking situation. A couple interesting notes about that. The Providence Journal has done nothing on it. And that's, that says something right there. You know, as I like to say, a media outlet, it says a lot about what they do cover, but it also speaks volumes about what the, the stories that they don't cover. So the Boston Globe did a story, Channel 10 did a story, Channel 6 has done a story, just as far as mainstream media outlets. Providence Journal, no story. And Channel 12, nope, we're not going to do it. It is an openly gay, black, young black woman, and we're not going to, I mean, they are proving themselves to be the most uh, progressive. But I want you to listen, and and they've, a lot of the media has carried this narrative, oh, these are conservative right-wing groups that are against Senator Merrick. Well, not so fast. I interviewed Brother Gary, the leader of Black Lives Matter, and listened to what he had to say about the whole thing. What do you think? What is your reaction? <clears throat> the state Senator Tierra Mack, her upside-down beach twerking video. I think it, it's really hurtful. I think it's painful for African-American in America to watch one of our state leaders do this immediately to it's a smack in the face for all the hard work that we're putting out there and sometimes that people use their color as a weapon and i think that she was doing good work at first and then she goes and do this it, it just blew my mind I'm, I'm really really not feeling that right now it's horrible it's 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 it's, it's really you know that I, is um so that kills the narrative now good luck trying to see that on any of the local media. You know, folks, it's so, and again, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 .9 FM. Um, the, the fact what that Channel 12 would not even, we're not even going to cover it. I mean, what what is that supposed to, what is that all about? That's not news. We're not even going to give that story the dignity. Excuse me. It made national news. She's a sitting state senator. She used her campaign account and obviously, you know, everyone has been buzzing about it. 
and then suddenly they, you know, come into, they, they make a strong stand. Now, the Boston Globe, I wasn't, um, I'm not exactly um, thrilled with the coverage that they did do on it, by the way. But without question, at least they did a story on it. Channel 12 is trying to say it's not a story. And obviously it is a story. It made national news. So, but that, it also does show, uh, to me, a little bit of um, preference for the Democrat Party. Because the Rhode Island Democrat Party, they don't want talking about that. You know, folks, I mean, there's, there's always a little bit of bias with the news. But especially the other day when Governor McKee was doing a briefing and they asked him about it. He said he didn't know what it was. And any of the members of the media that were there could have taken out their phone and showed him and said, you think that's appropriate behavior for an elected official to post online that they did that on the beach? By the way, she's also scrambling now, Max. She's, her TikTok account, I realize a lot of people are not on it, has absolutely exploded. She will use this to raise money. And we're going to find out in September because uh, that's when her primary is. Now, Brother Gary's also endorsing Joe Almeida, who's running uh, for that seat. So, um, but but that, there's the bias. And, and they all kind of laugh it off like that's just her being her. I want to reemphasize, I believe the Republican Party, if anyone comes to your door, knocks on your door, and they're asking for your vote, ask them, if they're a Democrat, what did they think of the Senator Mack video? I think you know we've we've played some great sound on it. It's it's unprofessional, uh, it's immature. That's my take on it. I go back to um, when when someone said, "Oh, I, I know you're angry about it or mad about it." I'm not angry about it. it. This has been a pattern where she gets a free pass for the media for a lot of her actions because, in many ways, the you know, and I know some people won't get this, but the media they love the fact that there's this state senator who is a woman of color and, and so and very openly uh, gay and also uh, believes, you know, big, I think she works or has something to do with Planned Parenthood or an abortion clinic. So I think they love that. So they're, they're very much uh, akin to kind of avoid any negative coverage of this Senator Tierra Mack. And conversely, I think, you know, she is fair game. She's a, she's a Democrat. The, the um, media, local media, they definitely jump on stories much, much more aggressive if there's a Republican involved in any way. If there's any type of, quote, Republican scandal, uh, you can certainly see a notable difference the way they, they treat the story. They go much more into just the facts. There's no bias here. We're reporting on what the news is. But then when it's Senator Tara Mack, someone that they like, admire, it's Oh, that's just Tara being, you know, that's just her being her. You know, you be you, girl. That's right, girlfriend. Don't let the Republicans, you know, go after you. Uh, that's far more of uh, the way they come down. All right, folks, a lot more ahead. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Time means grill time. And for the best grill, get a new grill. Stop in and see my friends. Jay's Broadway Appliance and TV. Jay apostrophe yes, Broadway Appliance and TV. Located 47 Cedar Swamp Road, that's Route 5, Smithfield. You can call them 401-949-7800. Springtime, summer, this is the best time to grill outside. They have a great selection on grills. They also have a great selection on all appliances. Family-run business since 1963. Remember, you're going to deal directly with the owner, and they will match or beat any package deal when it comes to appliances. Do you need a new refrigerator? How about a new dishwasher washing machine dryer oven microwave jay's broadway appliance look for them online at jsappliance.com also on facebook springtime summer is grill time stop in and see them they're open monday through friday from 10 to 5 you can make an appointment for more personal saturday and sunday appointments jay's broadway appliance and tv 401-949-7800 better yet drive in and see them 47 cedar swamp road route 5 in smithfield to the john DePietro show weekdays we start at 11 we go until 2 it's am 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at our website dipetro.com it's time for our legal segment joining us right now he is one of rhode island's top attorneys he's our legal expert it is attorney tim dodd tim if you don't mind i'd like to start off with the police 
uh, two different instances, especially apparently there were some fireworks at India Point Park and somebody was getting out of hand. And the next thing you know, there's uh, some video of someone was above and videos uh, the, the police officers as they are apprehending the person. And then things just si- seem to go a little sideways after that. Yes. I mean, it, it's astonishing that over and over and over um, there's video of interactions between cops and individuals they're attempting to apprehend. These cops have to know or at least conduct themselves with the presumption that someone out there is videoing them. I mean, it's, it's not a mystery that everyone's got a smartphone and everyone's videoing everything they see. So in this situation, you're right. There was uh, fireworks. People are leaving. And the two Providence cops who were involved in this situation, it's not like they're rookies. One, I believe, is a captain. One, I believe, yeah. is a lieutenant. One's been right. on for over 20 years. One's been wow. on for, I think, more than 15 years. So these are experienced men. And there's a video. They're attempting to apprehend a suspect. And like, just, just like we should presume that cops know they're being videoed, um, every one of these situations which goes sideways um, to one degree or another, it's when somebody's resisting arrest. So we get this yep. guy, he's resisting arrest, he's resisting arrest. You see these two cops attempting to wrestle him to the ground. I can't tell from the video at the time that one of the cops you know, con- makes the guy's head contact the pavement if um, there was already, um, the guy was already cuffed, but you can hear the guy that one of the cops on the video say, stop moving, stop moving. And after a command to stop move, apparently the guy doesn't stop moving. So the cop kind of takes his head and pounds it into the pavement. Now that's the part that goes viral. That's the part that, um, puts this officer in a terrible light. Um, if, and if you take that one or two seconds of the video, it's quite damning. Now, the question is, when it gets further analysis, if, they've got, if it's taking two cops to get this guy on the ground and he's still resisting arrest, allegedly, and the cops are saying stop resisting, and he doesn't stop resisting. Well, maybe they can make the message a little clearer, and I'm not justifying what they did, but is police protocol. If the guy won't stop resisting, is it appropriate to tase him? Like, what are the cops to do when this um, individual, like many others, I guess the new the new paradigm is just resist arrest and see which you know if the guy didn't resist arrest he wouldn't have got his head pounded into the ground was it appropriate for the cop to do that i'm not passing judgment it certainly doesn't look good but i'm not sure what police training would call for in that situation if a person continues to resist even when they're on the ground squirming pushing you know, I'm not exactly sure what he was doing to her, to resist. The cop gave several commands, stop, stop. Um, he didn't say stop resisting, but stop doing what you're doing. And apparently the guy didn't stop what he was doing. Will there be an internal affairs investigation? Yes. Will these cops be suspended? Yes. Um, will there be a bill of rights hearing? Yes. I don't think the chief has called for either of these cops to be terminated, much no. like the chief came out, I think, a little too quickly Yeah, with the situation uh, on Lugo. On Lugo. Um, there was no pronouncement that this, these two have to be fired, or at least the one who um, took the guy's head and pushed it into the pavement. Um, is it a termination offense? It's, I think it's too soon to say. What's the appropriate yeah. discipline? It's too soon to say. Hmm. But, you know, the, the, uh, like we say so often, the original headline, the original story, there's typically a lot more to it. 
I don't know if other videos of this will surface. I don't know if these cops had body cameras, which would have caught perhaps more of the dialogue between the cops and the suspect. But I know one of the cops commanded several times, stop resisting, stop resisting. Right. And the yeah. guy didn't stop. Mm. Now, folks, again, we're speaking with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, there's actually been an update on this story. Number one, Province Police sent out a press release with, you know, kind of describing the incident. And they, they included a mug, the mugshot of uh, the suspect. And his his face is, he's got a, a black eye, but it's not like it's, a huge gash or it's not like his, you know, his head was caped in. I think the other thing that's interesting, I believe I just heard that for whatever reason, they didn't have their body cams on. Um, you know, it seems typical when I've interviewed some of the police brass, they talk about so many times with police, they could do 95% of the things right. And then in that last split second, when they lose their cool, boom, that's when all hell breaks loose. They obviously didn't realize there was someone up above who was videotaping them and they think it's just a quick second. They lose their temper, but look at how this thing kind of blows up on them. Well, it's exactly right. And you know, body cams are supposed to be to preserve evidence of these interactions with potential suspects for, for the suspects protection and the cops protection as to what did or didn't happen so that they didn't have mom is not a good sign. And the fact that, you know, this this suspect winds up with a black eye because his face made contact with the pavement because the cop pushed his head down. I mean, there's no getting around it. So you're right. I mean, for 90 percent of that interaction, it seemed to be rather textbook. And at the in the last few seconds of the video is where, you know, it could be argued that the cop went too far. And he had a guy on the ground and the guy was subdued and that uh, smashing his head into the ground was an overreaction and uncalled for. Um, I think the cop is going to have a hard time justifying his conduct um, if there's no other video or nothing more than the video that we've seen. Because all you, you, you don't hear anything the suspect says. You don't hear anything the other cop says. You just hear the one guy who you know, push his head into the ground saying, stop resisting, stop resisting. Is that appropriate police practice to subdue a defendant? I don't know. It doesn't look like it would be. Um, w- one last thing on this. Apparently, they were also claiming that they found a, a small knife, but nonetheless on his body. Is that, oh, d- two other elements of that. One is that they, they claim they found a knife on him. And then the other one is the police officer who, uh, allegedly spiked his head into the pavement. He's out on injury leave. Is that, is that a legal maneuver to maybe let everything settle down? Or what about those just two, two details of the case? I mean, he, I don't know if he's a cop that gets involved these days because he's a higher rank. Does he get involved with many takedowns and wrestling Mm -hmm. with suspects? Perhaps he did injure himself in the altercation. I do think this cop will get charged with at least um, misdemeanor, simple assault, if nothing more. Um, Mm. Could it be a felony assault? Sure, it could. And, you know, there's the legal end of things and there's the political end of things. And this video will go somewhat viral. So I would expect that the cop who pushed the suspect's head into the pavement will get charged with at least a misdemeanor, if not a felony, because of this conduct. And I do think it warrants um, a, a strong likelihood that criminal charges will be filed against him, because mm. it does appear to be an overreaction and an um, excessive use of force. Folks, we're going to take a, a quick break. Much more ahead, our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. J. Perry Paving. Folks, you can depend on J. Perry Paving. They provide high-quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, over 20 years' experience, specializing in commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating patios, and much more. Call them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. They are tremendous. They also, how about this, once a month, they provide a free paved driveway to a veteran. And remember, whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed, 
Call J. Perry Paving for a free quote. It makes a huge difference in your property, in your home, in your driveway or patio. 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. 401-732-1730. You can also find them on Facebook. They're terrific. Hey, get that driveway paved. Call and book an appointment now. 401-732-1730 for J. Perry Paving. We're speaking with our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, again, another police officer in the news. Uh, this is, you know, you talk about many times, if if there's no deal to be had, a lot of times defendants feel they might as well roll the dice and, and take a, a shot in court. And that seems to be what's happening with this Dolan case. People remember the off-duty Pawtucket cop. He had one sip of beer, uh, went after these kids that were going to get a pizza. They're watching the NBA Finals of last June in uh, West Greenwich, and then he came flying out of the truck, went after one, went around to the driver's side, actually shot uh, the, the driver, could have actually killed them. Um, but then he um, he now is saying that he will go to trial. Well, yes, this off-duty cop, his conduct at the time when he had an altercation with these three young men, the cop, the off-duty cop's conduct in my mind, is really inexplicable. There's no good rationale for what he did, chasing them, firing a weapon, hitting, the, the, I believe, the driver in the arm. Yep. Um, very excessive, overreactive conduct. He, I don't think he's ever been able to articulate what he thought was being committed in terms of a crime, why he needed to give chase, why he didn't call it in, why he had to pull a weapon, what was the need to use deadly force under the circumstances? The, the answer is there was no need to use deadly force. There was, there was a crazy thing in my... Folks, uh, I apologize. We had a small technical glitch. We're back with attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, uh, we had been setting up the Officer Dolan case, and it, it, it sounds like are, are you surprised at what was being reported as the deal that they, they offered him? Uh, I think that it, the deal that he was offered was, I think, a very attractive deal. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm more surprised that he rejected it. Remember, this is the same cop who seems to have some issues from yeah. all appearances. This is the same cop who got charged with, I think, a domestic assault, domestic disorderly for um, I think his wife and kid were trying to get away from him. Yeah, and he threw something at the car and smashed the windshield. Oh. I mean, he seems like he, I can't say he has some anger management or psychological issue. I would never say that. But certainly um, all the indicia seem to be there that this cop is behaving in an inexplicably aggressive manner. Now, what happened, and we've talked in the past about what happens at a Fry hearing. Um, the defendant here, Dolan, and his attorney, who's a very good attorney, Mike Colucci is an excellent trial attorney. He does a lot of cop cases. He does very well with cop cases. Uh, I think this is a tough one, but Dolan is in very good hands. So when the plea bargaining concludes and the defendant receives the last best offer, in terms of a plea bargain that he's going to get, he either accepts it or he rejects it. If he rejects the um, last best plea bargain to offer from the state, there's what's called a fry hearing where the judge will say, okay, Mr. Prosecutor, what are the charges? What's the possible penalties? What's the offer? And the AG will go through that. And then the judge will say, have you heard this? Have you discussed this with your attorney? And are you um, electing to um, reject the last best offer from the state? And are you electing to go to trial? So it's all on the record so that, you know, if there's a trial and it goes bad, the def- in the old days, defendants many times, were, well, my lawyer never told me about that deal. Mm-hmm. My lawyer didn't pitch it that way. So to avoid a defendant who loses Uh, in part turning on either their attorney or the whole system saying, no one ever told me. Now it's all on the record. You've been told and you're rejecting this. So this guy has four counts. He has one count of felony assault with serious personal injuries resulting. 
That's a felony with a maximum sentence of 20 years. He's also been charged with a second count of felony assault without personal serious personal injuries occurring. That's up to six years. The third count is another felony assault with a penalty of up to six years. But then the fourth one is a tough one. Um, utilizing a, a gun in the commission of a crime of violence is a, another one with a maximum of 20 years. This guy was offered... On count one, 15 years with five to serve, 10 suspended. On the second, um, six years all suspended, running concurrent. On the third count, six years suspended, running concurrent. And on the last charge, utilizing a gun in the commission of a crime of violence, uh, he was offered um, 20 years suspended, but that would be consecutive to count one. So basically... He'd have 15 years, five to serve, 10 suspended. And after the 10 suspended concluded, he'd have another 20 behind him. So he would have, after he serves his five, an additional 30 years of suspended sentence hanging over his head. Mm. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of time that you can make a mistake and wind up back in prison. But if he would stay out of trouble and amend his ways... Um, he could get out of this with five to serve and probably be out in three years. Now, oh. cops in prison is not a pleasant thing for the cop. Typically, right. you've got to be in um, a separate, you know, protective custody. custody. Yeah. Um, it's not a great time, but he's not going to do five years. He'd probably be out in three, three and a half years. Um, oh. He rejected that. So now he's going to trial. Um, on charges which could result maximum in over 50 years in prison. Is he going to get 50 years in prison? No. But if he goes to trial and loses, um, I'll bet you he catches more than five years to serve. So he's really rolling the dice here. Um, I'm sure Mike Colucci, his attorney, informed him of all the, all the ins and outs and the pluses and the minuses. Um, Ultimately, it's the defendant's choice. He rejected the deal, so he's going to trial. It's oh. um, it's going to be a big role to have walked away from something where you know you're going to catch five years and get out of prison in less than five years. Um, I don't know if I would have made the same choice were I he. Tim Dodd, does he... Um... Does he have the choice of a bench trial and then that if he's unsuccessful, he could get a jury trial? Well, no, he's going to make the election. He can ch choose to have a jury trial or he can waive the jury and have what yep. we call a bench trial where right. it's just a judge who's going to determine uh, what happens. I don't know if that decision has been made. Um, if you have a jury trial, typically um, – what the jury hears, the judge and lawyers have to be much more careful in what's put in front of a jury when it's a judge trial sitting without a jury. Um, there's a little bit more leeway. Typically, if you're a defendant, you're looking for the win before the jury. But if you don't get the win before the jury, you're looking to create and preserve as many appellate issues as possible. So you can try to maybe get yourself a new trial or get your conviction if you happen to lose reversed. And there's much more um, appellate issues which are typically raised and preserved during a jury trial as opposed to a bench trial. So it's another big decision for this guy. Yeah. Um, before we take a break, Tim Dodd, the shooting in, in Chicago, uh, it seems to be the, you know, just the beginning. It's going to be a slew of charges uh, I don't know if it's going to result. I'm not sure Illinois is a death penalty state, but I'm just curious why Tim Dodd in a situation like this, uh, they don't introduce some form of a terrorism type of, of charge, simply because when you think about it, there's no robbery. It seems random. He's It's really designed to just create exactly what it did, which is just sheer terror, uh, seven or eight dead, more people very, very wounded in the hospital. Is there something do you think that could be enacted that would would be heavier? Like, I know they get matters for the whether it's the Buffalo shooter or the Texas shooter. They seemed that like their their fate seems already decided for them in the mind that they know that 
it's it's almost as if they're like leaving the planet or leaving their life and they're doing this a, as they exit is is there some reason why there isn't a, a terrorism charge enacted here well typically um well there are federal charges that could be brought in the in the terrorism vein I am not certain whether or not um, Illinois has state statutes which would cover this type of activity and whether it would cover the definition if they do have a state terrorism um, charge or enhancement. I, I don't know the law in Illinois per se. I mean, he could go through this trial for the first degree murder charges and he could wind up looking at a subsequent federal trial for um um, terrorism, if you know the facts support it, I think you're right. I think the t- the facts do support um, some terrorist enhancement. Um, there's no other purpose to this than this randomly killing people. Um, it's not a situation where any particular ethnicity, race, sex, national origin, or anything else. He was just going to hit anyone he could hit. Um, so it's not like he had it in for a particular group. He was just looking to create chaos at this 4th of July um, event. And, you know, it's another clearly mentally disturbed person. We're learning more about this guy's home life, what his yep. parents were like, you know, what their parenting challenges were. Um, it, it sounds like this kid was just the product of an extremely messed up home um, a very dysfunctional situation, and h- how do you legislate around that? I mean, all of these laws, however well intended, um, I don't know that they're going to be able to stop, you know, mentally disturbed people coming from mentally disturbed, or um, not mentally disturbed, but, you know, dysfunctional households how you're ever going to successfully legislate to stop all of these events from happening. I guess the only way would be to have a um, uniform elimination of the second amendment and people's rights to bear arms, which I don't think is going to happen as a practical matter. And I don't think it's a solution which makes sense to deny, you know, the rights of 300 million people because you've get these mentally disturbed people out there. It's, it's, it's a challenge which I don't know can successfully be met through legislation alone. Yeah. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. The next time you have an emergency, head straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122 in Johnston, or East Greenwich 5750 Post Road. AtMed Urgent Care. Urgent health care facility providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families, specializing in ambulatory medicine, diagnostic treatment service, AtMed Urgent Care. They provide immunization, school, sports physicals. They're a cost-efficient health care alternative to hospital-based emergencies. They're open seven days a week, walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical, orthopedic and trauma, work-related injuries, physical exams, drug testing, full laboratory services, and with AtMed Urgent Care, they offer mononuclear antibody infusions. You, someone in your family suffering from COVID, you want to go straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, Johnston, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122, or East Greenwich, 5750 Post Road, online at atmedurgentcare.com. Net. We're speaking with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, Saturday was uh, one for the books. All of a sudden, out of nowhere in Boston, this group, Patriot Front, they got khaki pants, they have these white neck gordias covering their faces, they have sunglasses, hats, they have a snare drum, flags, they're marching. Uh, I think there were 100 of them, possibly. At some point, they encountered a, a person of color. Either he took a swing at them or they took a swing at them. Anyhow, they even took the tea up. There were people filming them before they got there, and then they just fled. They didn't break anything. They they marched seemingly down to the Freedom Trail, and then they marched back to the T. And now the, the mayor of Boston is saying, you know, we didn't, they didn't tell us they were going to be doing this, and they didn't, they didn't get a permit. 
uh, to march, even though I, I, I cover all these protests. I've never heard of any of these people getting a permit. Does this fall under the guys? To, they're basically saying they want to charge them and they wouldn't have allowed them. But I, I think of, you know, we use the example of Skokie, Illinois and the, the Nazis, the heavy Jewish section and, and the ACLU supported them. I, I what, what is your take on Mayor Wu in the city of Boston? They're basically saying, I get the feeling, Tim Dodd, if they had applied for a permit, they wouldn't have granted one to this group. Well, I, I think if had they applied for a permit and if they were denied a permit, they would have a cause of action against oh. the city of Boston for sure. Okay. okay. Um, you know, we may not like in the least, we might detest what this group stands for. Um, but they've got First Amendment rights and they've got a right, you know, to apply for a permit to have a parade or a demonstration. And like many other organizations who some you might love, some you might loathe, um, they have a right to ask for permission to have their event. Now, the mayor's correct that this group did not ask for a permit. They did not apply for a permit. So that's a technically, um, technically is violative of violates the law. Um, to your point, many other groups that decide, you know, after different events that they're going to protest, they're going to march, they're going to do this and that. I don't know that any of those groups when no. they're protesting and marching, they're not getting permits. They're not getting prosecuted for that. So I think if this group were to be prosecuted um, for some criminal violation, um, you would presume a group like the ACLU might step in and say, we hate what this group stands for, but they do have First Amendment rights and they should be targeted for prosecution to the exclusion of other groups. Um, they didn't break anything. They didn't damage anything. No. They didn't loot anything. They didn't hit anyone. They didn't damage anything. They didn't light anything on fire. Um, I guess those are quote unquote positives um, for a, you know, a, a, a loathsome group, but um, I don't know that they broke any laws per se as they conducted their march. They didn't try to hide that they were coming. As you say, they took the tea yeah. and then they, and then they dispersed. It was a very peculiar um, set of events as it, as it unfolded. Um, I, I think the mayor is reacting more from a political spec perspective than, you know, any law enforcement perspective when she says that she's investigating whether they should be prosecuted. <laughs> the snare drum, they got the flags. I mean, they marched to the Freedom Trail and marched back. Now, Tim Dodd, conversely, this story out of East Providence, I don't get it. So, again, it's one of these type groups. And apparently, you know, people are saying these white supremacy groups are are growing this is they're called three something but anyhow so there's two of them one's from portsmouth i think yeah the other one's from arizona <clears throat> and they um they arrested them they were putting up flyers and again i i don't in any way condone i don't know these groups i don't like any group that doesn't show their face but they're putting up flyers like hey if anybody wants to join our, our organization they had a staple gun they're putting them on telephone poles and they were they have arrested two of them. Now I, I don't I, I see yard sale, uh furniture, we buy junk cars, I see all that stuff on telephone poles. What about these to me, Tim Dodd, it seems more that they the people they don't like the group and I don't blame them, but but I, I just I fail to see where they're breaking any law here. Well you're right. This is another situation where it's a it's somewhat of a selective uh, prosecution and again we can despise the organization but have to recognize that they should not be treated differently than other groups you're right i mean somebody has a yard sale they they take a staple gun and they're stapling their their yard sale signs to telephone poles in many communities that's an infraction you're not supposed to be doing that well, but I don't know of anyone that's ever been prosecuted. And when you put up your yard sale sign, you're putting typically your address right there. It's no mystery, right. like who's putting the signs up. Um, so three individuals or two individuals from this group were charged um, for violating a city ordinance against posting signs to utility poles. Well, so they were arrested and charged. But, 
but I believe that would only be a civil violation. Uh, I'm not sure it's even to the level of a petty misdemeanor, but um, I'm not sure how, <clears throat> excuse me, how far the city of East Providence wants to take this because if they want to have a uniform in front of that particular ordinance, there's lots of people who could be charged. You know, sure. I, I see signs on telephone poles all over, like um, it's a cheap way to advertise, but you see people advertising lawyers for, let's say, bankruptcies. You know, so-and-so yeah. does bankruptcies for X dollars and they're stapled to, to telephone poles and the like. Um, I've never thought that was an effective way to advertise, but it's also apparently in violation of the law if I guess at least you're in the city of East Providence. Um, it's, it's an odd group here, this white supremacist group. Um, they, they, they do have certain First Amendment rights to say what they right. want to say. They can, they can print leaflets. They can pass them out. Uh, maybe they can't put them on telephone poles, but... Um, this smacks of selective prosecution, if you will. And just um, on this, it was they, they say they're both charged obstruction of an officer and execution of duty. Is is that as simple as they didn't immediately, you know, put out their hands to be cuffed or something like that? I mean, it sounds pretty, pretty minor. Well, if there was some serious attempt to resist arrest or oh, not identify, okay. let's assume the cop said, what's your name? And I'm yeah. not giving you my name. Right. I mean, if it was something serious, I think the cops would have been more than happy to yeah. put it out there in the media. So it sounds like a stretch to say they obstructed the cops. Maybe they didn't give their name. Maybe they gave a wrong name. Maybe they refused to identify themselves. Maybe they refused to identify who put these things on the telephone poles but it seems like something that should easily be disposed of um, if, if it's really been charged criminally. It's, it's really um, penny-any stuff in the criminal world, if you will. Folks, we're speaking with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, two more stories. One is, you know, it was last Fourth of July weekend when the rise of the Moors first uh, appeared on 95. is a huge story. There they are, they're a sovereign nation. And the Boston Globe, to the credit, did a follow-up a year later. It, it sounds like that the you know members of the group are just locked in that they won't follow guidelines they won't work with an appointed attorney they i i don't know where this is going it, it sounds like they're not getting out anytime fast well i believe two of the members are still still being held without bail for whatever yeah. reason i'm not sure if they were unable to post bail if they refused to post bail if they didn't recognize the court's authority but it sounds like they're just looking for if not a show trial, then just a complete attempt to undermine the court system. My understanding is that most, if not all of these individuals are representing themselves. Yep. So when they're brought into court, the judge will say like, what's your name and address? I refuse. I'm not a citizen of the country. You can't force me to provide that information. And at every turn, they are, um, asserting arguments which don't pass legal muster. But courts have a tough time frequently. I'm in court all the time and many times when the court is confronted with a belligerent, uncooperative, or a person who's not making lots of sense, who is not represented by counsel, um, the court has to interact with such individuals differently. Um, got to give them a little leeway. Got to let them say what they need to say. But in in the case of the uh, the rise of the Moors, um, it's it's hard to make sense of what their theory is as to why yeah. they are not subject to the laws of the United States. Their mm. claim is they're not citizens. Um, the claim is they're um, living under some treaty that the U.S. Um, um, got involved in with an African nation back in the 1800s. But it's, it's lots of words and it's lots of assertions, but none of it really hangs together as a legal theory uh, to say you're not a citizen and you're not bound by the laws of the country and that you can right. do whatever you want vis-a-vis -vis being armed uh, anywhere you want, anytime you want. Um, 
So they're just going to vex, harass, and frustrate the court system for as long as they can. But ultimately, these cases will come up to trial. Sure. And if they won't plea bargain, they will have a show trial, which they will try to make as much confusion and chaos as they mm. possibly can. And Tip Don, finally, is this anything more than politics? Governor McKee announcing that anyone that comes to Rhode Island seeking refugees, refuge because of Roe v. Wade, that they have safe refuge in Rhode Island? Well, I, I, I'm sure there's a, a lot of po- political component to it. But what the, the governor's saying is consistent with the law that we've passed in Rhode Island in anticipation of Roe one day being overturned. Um, so I think what the governor has done by executive order, the question would always be, what's the enforceability of an executive order as opposed to legislation passed by the General Assembly? Um, that has yet to be um, litigated if anyone chooses to do so. But, you know, road does create, overturning road does create some issues, uh, people going state to state. What if you live in a state where um, abortions are completely banned by state statute and you want to get mail order, um, um, you know, the, the, the day after abortion pills? Well, is that breaking the law? I mean, these are issues that I don't have the answer to, but these jurisdictions are going to have to deal with. Um, what if <clears throat> people want to cross borders and go from one state to the other, and the state that has banned abortions somehow criminalizes going elsewhere to get your abortion? Those, these things are all going to make their way through the court system. And any law that the anti-abortion states, if you will, puts forth will be challenged. Um, I I do think it's a provocative thing to say, well, we're an anti-abortion state and we're somehow going to try to outlaw you mail ordering yourself, um, you know, day after abortion pills. I don't think that's feasible. Um, I think it creates a whole boatload of problems in terms of enforcement and constitutionality. So, you know, although Roe has been overturned, I think we're in for years of litigation on all aspects of um, the ongoing battle between states that favor abortions and states that are trying to limit them as much as they can. It's, Mm. it's, it's, the issue is not concluded. It's going to be fought for years. Folks, he is our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, great job as always, and we will talk to you again. Thanks, John. Take care. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition. Since 1977, delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them. All year round, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, they're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn.